Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. This is Unnecessary Roughness. You gotta score points to win. You can't win without scoring points. Touchdown Raiders! He went right through the line and gives Vegas a touchdown to extend the lead. Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your boy Q. Back at it like we never left. It's Unnecessary Roughness in your ear hole for the next three hours. Got my man Jared Justice behind the wheels of steel, holding it down as Demond is holding it down on ESPN Las Vegas on Cofield and Company, our sister station, as our guy Ari is on vacation. Mentioned it a little bit last week that there's a lot of moving parts going on the next few weeks here uh, at the station and on the radio station as well, just because uh, a lot of folks are going on vacation, getting a little bit of R&R before the real grind starts. So I definitely appreciate Jared holding it down in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. I'm in the home studio this afternoon as it's been a very, very busy morning, starting at 7 a.m. this morning at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, JT the Brick, Eric Allen, and myself, we were all there preparing for the Raider Roundtable on what they called Raider Content Day. It was used to be called Media Day, but they changed it up. They switched it up to Content Day, and there was a lot of content to be had, to say the very least. Uh, we were there for three and a half hours, or at least the show was for three and a half hours. Uh, it started at 8 o'clock this morning, some really good stuff that came from that. I know you heard a little bit of that on the JT The Brick Show before this one. Uh, you'll hear a little bit more of that coming up on the show this afternoon. But lots of really good stuff. Great to be in the building. Great to see people walking around, players walking around, coaches walking around, just folks excited to be in the building and excited to have the day that is uh, Raider Content Day getting underway. Uh, it was really a lengthy morning. Long morning, even into the afternoon. We got wrapped up around 11.30, and then I made a beeline over to Liberty High School. I had to talk to a, a group of, like, third and fourth graders as far as basketball campers go there at Liberty High. So that was uh, that was interesting as well. But right as soon as I left Intermountain, went straight over to Liberty, and uh, here we are uh, on the radio with you this afternoon. But just really cool to see all these players, especially the ones that are new, the ones that were either drafted or guys that were brought in as free agents uh, walking around putting on their Raider uniform for the first time, pads and all. Right again, they're going through the whole media day. We were just at the Aces media day a few weeks ago, uh, right after right after Mother's Day. As a matter of fact, it was that Monday following Mother's Day. We were at the Aces media day, and that was that was fun to be at and see all the uh, the players and coaches preparing for the upcoming season. But this was times a thousand. Uh, this this morning and, and into the afternoon at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, and I'll tell you what a what a what a crew to do it with, right? I mean, I'm there with JT and Eric Allen. Of course, they're on the the pre and post game show during the regular season, but just to be a part of that and then have guys like GM Dave Ziegler uh, stop by and talk to us, Brian Hoyer stop by and talk to us, Max Crosby stop by and talk to us, Jacoby Myers stop by and talk to us, Marcus Epps he did the same thing, Andre James. I mean, we talked to you know seven or eight guys at least this morning uh, in in pretty. Pretty lengthy detail, including the GM, Dave Ziegler. That's always a really good conversation. So just had a lot of fun, was able to uh, pick Eric Allen's brain a little bit. And I always like just having conversations with EA. I mean, even if it's not on the air uh, or just, just standing around, just kind of talking to him and communicating and talking about what he's seeing, what he's hearing, what it takes to take that next step. I mean, just, again, from a guy who's been there, done that on a very, very high level, it's always a fun conversation. So just a blessing to be a part of that earlier today. Many thanks to the Raiders for putting that together. And, of course, JT and Eric Allen for uh, having me on the show 
as well. So that happened this morning. If you didn't check out the Raiders Roundtable, it is available on YouTube. It's available wherever you get your content from. Uh, of course, Raiders.com, they have it there available. Uh, as I mentioned, JT, I know he played a little bit of the Roundtable earlier, just the audio version of it. You'll hear a little bit of the audio version of it this afternoon here on Unnecessary Roughness as well. But that's not all. we got plenty to get to. On today's show, coming up at 2.30, Mike Sando from The Athletic. He'll join us. He's our good friend of the show. Uh, met him at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center for the first time just about a week or so ago. Uh, and he put out a piece on The Athletic about uh, favorite offseason moves for all 32 teams. And fun, funny enough that the one offseason move that he really liked that the Raiders made was go out and get Jimmy Garoppolo. And so, of course, there's been a lot of conversation around Jimmy G lately. I know he's been in and around town a lot doing his thing. I know he was at the, the VGK game, so that was good to see him uh, out and about and, and uh, you know, just kind of doing, doing what he does in preparation for a training camp. Mandatory minicamp is later this week, but uh, in preparation for training camp, that's what I'm expecting to see uh, Jimmy Garoppolo out there. I'm hoping to see Jimmy Garoppolo out there at training camp so they can start to put the pieces together for this upcoming season. So uh, Mike Sando put out a piece just about all the offseason moves that he likes, so we'll talk about that. We'll talk about the AFC West in general. want to really kind of focus on the AFC West at whole because that's what, you know, that's what the task is for the silver and black. Every year you know that the AFC West is going to be one of the toughest divisions of football. Last year we thought it was going to be the toughest division of football with all the additions that were made. It didn't turn out that way, but you look at you know Sean Payton now in Denver and uh, what he could bring to the table. Is he going to turn things around immediately? I don't know if he's going to turn around immediately, but I do think he's going to help improve that Denver team in a major way. Kellen Moore is now the offensive coordinator with the Chargers. How much is he going to help Justin Herbert? Of course, the Chiefs are the Chiefs, and the Raiders are, are, have gone over a lot of uh, roster construction, right? I mean, let's just be honest about it. They've, there's been a lot of reconstruction of this uh, of this Raiders roster between the end of the season and right now. So uh, we'll talk to Mike Sando, all things AFC and Raiders, and also what he thought of the facilities and what he was able to see from OTAs while he was out there, I think about a week and a half or so ago. So that's coming up at 2.30. Then at 3 o'clock, speaking of Denver, our good friend Brandon Cristal from KOA Colorado, he'll join the show to talk about you know the AFC West, talk about what the Broncos are doing as that's the first opponent up for the Silver and Black. is their first opponent of the 2023 season and their last opponent of the 2023 season. So uh, kind of funny how they're bookending the whole season with the Denver Broncos, but we'll talk about you know just what they're looking like, how he thinks that they've improved, if he thinks their roster has improved from what it was uh, just a, a season ago to where it is right now and maybe the biggest addition for the Denver Broncos is just the addition of Sean Payton and and we'll get deep dive into that but we'll also talk about the NBA Finals as the Denver Nuggets and the Miami Heat are all knotted up at one in a game and I'll, I'll ask Brandon straight up I know he was there covering it I just didn't see the Denver Nuggets come out of the gates like they wanted to play I feel like the Denver Nuggets listened to everybody that said that, oh, man, they're going to be a great team. They're going to sweep the, the Heat. And I never thought that they were going to sweep them. I still think that they win in six. But, man, they, they, they went out there like Miami was just going to roll over. I didn't know what was going on. Of course, they battled back, and you got to give them a lot of credit for that. But, you know, the Joker having 41 points and losing tells you really all that you need to know, right? He had a big monster game, but he didn't have a triple-double. When the Joker gets a triple-double, the Nuggets win. When he doesn't and he goes for 40-plus points, they don't. So we'll talk to Brandon about that as the, the series is headed back to South Beach, knotted up at 1. So Brandon Cristal, KOA Colorado, good friend of the show, will join us at 3 o'clock. Then at 3.30. 
Ed Graney from our sister station ESPN Las Vegas and the RJ usually joins us on Monday. I think he's been off uh, the show for the past couple weeks because he's been on Golden Knight duty. <laughs> he's been really deep diving in Golden Knight duty, which is fine, right? I mean, there's a lot of good things going on right now in Las Vegas when it comes to the sports. Of course, the uh, Golden Knights are in the Stanley Cup Finals. They're at 1-0. The game two will be this evening. Uh, the Aces picked up a victory yesterday in a game that looked like that they were going to lose. They stay undefeated on the season. So a lot of good Good feelings when it comes to the sports in the Las Vegas market right now. So Granny's been all over that. But uh, we'll talk to him about the Raiders. We'll talk to him about the Golden Knights. But I want to talk to him about the Raiders in this sense, the fact that he hasn't been at the facility checking out all the practices. He hasn't been, you know, uh, talking to the coaches and, and all that because, again, he's been on Golden Knight duties. But just from a distance – you know, just kind of from a distance at this point, from a guy's point of view that does cover the team, but just he's been, you know, away for a little while. What does he see? What does it look like? What does it sound like? So Ed Graney will join us at 3.30. And even how much he more improved he thinks that this roster is right now and how much it could be. As myself and JT and Eric Allen talked to Dave Ziegler uh, earlier today for the Raiders roundtable there at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, you know, he said he was talking about, there's still some guys out there, right? There's still some guys out there that can improve all the teams across the league. So clearly he's still got his uh, talent evaluations, the cap on. He's still looking around the league to see what's going on. There's still guys signing daily. There's guys being released daily. So there's a lot of ebbs and flows that go with the roster construction of a team. And so we'll talk to Ed Graney about the Raiders. We'll also uh, get his thoughts on Stanley Cup Finals Game 2, the Golden Knights and the Florida Panthers coming up later this evening. But we'll talk to Graney coming up at 3.30. Then I mentioned a couple of the interviews that we got from uh, the Raiders Roundtable from the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center earlier today. Uh, and I believe that JT is going to play Dave Ziegler and Max Crosby. So I'm going to go ahead and roll with Marcus Epps, the safety that they brought in from the Philadelphia Eagles, the guy who played just about every single snap uh, last season for the Eagles. He was the guy that was out there. He played the most snaps out of any player on that team uh, and he's been tasked with the tall uh, he has a tall task in front of him, right? He's got to go in there and be a leader in that secondary you know, especially at that safety position. How much can he help Trayvon Merrick develop? How much can he help just the secondary in general, especially getting their hands on the ball, something I cannot talk enough about, something that needs to happen. They find ways to get their hands on the ball, something that they just haven't done very well in years. They really haven't, and you know, and I even in the conversation that we had with Marcus Epps earlier, I even brought up the fact in the, the play that happened, I believe it was like last Thursday at OTAs where there was a tip ball and it fell harmlessly to the ground, and then uh, that's when I turned and looked at Vinny and said, that can't happen. That can't happen. Matter of fact, I said that to EA earlier today too before we ever got started on the Raider Roundtable. I, I brought up that specific moment, and I said, man, that ball just glanced off a wide receiver's hands and it went up in the air. And it fell harmlessly to the ground, and nobody picked it up. Nobody, you know, nobody uh, found it. And he said, "Man, that's that's got to be instincts, man. They, they've got to be able to see ball, get ball. Same thing that Charles Woodson always used to say: see ball, get ball. When that thing is floated up there to you like that." You've got to go make the play. Now, to the Raiders' credit, a couple plays later, Trayvon Merrick did the same thing on a, on a tip ball and was able to come up with the play. So I asked Marcus Epps about that and how that's part of the maturity of the secondary. So at 4 o'clock, you'll hear the conversation that JT, Eric Allen, and myself had with new Raiders safety Marcus Epps. And then at 4.30, we had a conversation with Jacoby Myers. And it's funny. We talked to Brian Hoyer, and he's very familiar with uh, Jacoby Myers, both guys undrafted free agents, both guys that were in New England together. And Brian Hoyer was telling us a story, and maybe at some point we'll get the Brian Hoyer conversation on uh, throughout the course of the week as well. But uh, we got some good stuff from, from Brian. I thought he was a, a good conversation, knows that his role is to be ready. 
uh, whenever needed. Also knows that his role is kind of the coach on the field, right? And so he, and he embraces that, right? He's in year 15. You don't hang around the National Football League for 15 years for no reason. So uh, I got to give him a lot of credit for that as Jared Justice is all smiles when I talk about Brian Hoyer. He is the number one Brian Hoyer um, um Backer, let's put it like that. You are the number one Brian Hoyer fan as uh, as you got a big smile on your face right now. I can't hear nothing you're saying, dude. <laughs> I can't hear nothing. Well, I'll get back to you then. So I I can't for some reason I can't hear you. So we'll we'll get to that at some point. That could be a part of the show that uh, we need to work on. Is <laughs> is figure out how to get how to get uh Jared. So I could actually hear him, but that's okay. So we'll get to we'll get back to Brian Hoyer. But Brian Hoyer told us a story about Jacoby Myers, how they were working out together as uh, as on second string, stringers, and I guess in New England the rookies they have to wear like really odd numbers. So he said when him and Jacoby Myers started working together at first, Jacoby Myers' number was number sixty nine. And so he said, yeah. So you see this wide receiver out there running routes, and his number is sixty nine. And so as soon as he kind of gave us that little nugget, and we were wrapping up with Brian Hoyer. Jacoby Myers was coming up next, so we said, hey. That's just something that we just learned about you is that uh, the number is – your number was number 69 as a rookie there uh, with the Patriots, and he got a good laugh out of that. So you'll hear that conversation with Jacoby Myers coming up at 430. So those are the guests that we have on the show today. Mike Sando. Uh, Mike Sando at 230. Brandon Cristal at 3 o'clock. Ed Grady at 330. Marcus Epps at 4. And then uh, Jacoby Myers at 430. And, of course, we'll hear from you in the meantime, in between time, at 702-365-9200 and the WBroke.com text line at 69187, keyword r and I'll tell you what, let's take a quick break. We'll come back with the opening drive. We'll get into it, and uh, we'll, we'll, then we'll hear from Mike Sando coming up at 230. So let's take an early break, and then we'll come back with the opening drive here on Radio Nation Radio 920. The opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM is brought to you by Paul Law. It's not about the injury, it's about the recovery. So here we go as we are back here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. It is the opening drive. We definitely appreciate uh, Paul Law for that, for sponsoring it. Again, my man Jared Justice in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. I'm in the home studio. And question I want to throw out there today as we had content day at the Raiders facility, if you could sit down and have a conversation with any player, any player, any player that you see on the roster, who would it be? You can only pick one, though. So you can only give me one player that you would be most excited to sit down. That's that's what the first question. I have a couple that I want to throw out there. Definitely want to get your feedback on who you'd most excited to be, you know, sit down and, and have a, a one-on-one conversation or even be in a group of, of folks and have a, a, a conversation like I did earlier today. Again, we were there for three and a half hours, uh, put out together a really good show. I thought it was uh, some exceptional work. So uh, that's the first question. And then the second question has to do with success for the Raiders in 2023 and in your mind what will be the biggest key for the Raiders to have a chance at success in 2023 and the reason I asked this question is I'm sitting here uh, at the house uh, preparing for the show and and I have the TV on and ESPN is on NFL live is going on they're going through all these different teams in the AFC West and all of a sudden they pop up and they start talking about the Raiders and they start talking about you know the chance uh, that they have in 2023. And I know that there's a lot of people on the national scene that aren't real high on the silver and black right now. I know a lot of people are looking at their win total product, uh, uh, projections, which is at, what, seven and a half according to Caesars. And a lot of people are trying to take the under on that. And so uh, not that this is a betting segment or anything like that, but a lot of people nationally aren't real high on what the Raiders are going to do in 2023. And really it was to my surprise 
as I had the NFL Live in it, and really it's, it's on as background noise, all of a sudden it made me pop up my head and pay attention to what they were saying because they were pretty high on, on the Raiders. They, they kept talking about how they thought that the Raiders had a chance to be really successful. And it's funny, it kind of leads into our guest that we have at 2.30, Mike Sando, who said that the move that he liked the Raiders uh, the most in 2020, well, the offseason, was the signing of Jimmy G. And so, of course, there's been a lot of panic when it comes to Jimmy G uh, that we've talked about here on the show. It's been a lot of conversation about Jimmy G and his health. I get that. You know, but for the most part, everyone's saying as long as Jimmy G is healthy, and of course that's a big assumption or a big, you know, of course, uh, he, then they think that the Raiders are going to be a, a really competitive team in 2023. And Lewis Riddick, and I know Lewis Riddick is a former Raider, Raider, but he even went to the extent of saying that he thinks that they could compete for a wild card spot. And I was actually, like I said, I was actually surprised to hear them say that because for the most part, from what I've heard from anyone on ESPN, when I, either I'm doing the show on ESPN or or just listening to ESPN. Or anyone else, NFL Network, you know, whoever the whoever it is. Some of our guests that we've had on the show, they don't look at them as a team that's going to win, you know, more than six, seven, maybe eight games, right? But don't really talk about them in the conversation with the playoffs. So I, I just throw it out there, man. In, in your opinion, and I guess we could take Jimmy G's health out of there. If Jimmy G's not healthy, I, th- I mean, all bets are off. I'll just put it like that. So outside of Jimmy G's health, let's put it like that. Let's 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 kind of. Correct it that way. Outside of Jimmy G's health, what will be the biggest key in your mind for the Raiders to have a chance of success in 2023? So one of the things that I have for that is something that I heard from a guy that we talked to today, you know, Max Crosby. Max Crosby was very adamant about that defense being a lot better. Uh, He said that he was trying to hold guys accountable. His voice is obviously louder in the room now. And that some of the guys that he brought in, and he said, look, or he didn't bring in, but the team brought in, he said, Look, these guys don't, you know, from the outside, a lot of people don't really realize what we have in the room. But the guys that are in the room and the way that they're working right now, even though it's early June, he, he believes in a lot of those guys. And, and that carries weight with me because he's the guy at the end of the season last year that said, we've got to have dogs on defense. We've got to have dogs. He says he really likes this, this room that they have on the defensive side of the ball. And for me, it's all about defense. For the Raiders to have success in 2023, the defense has got to be a lot better. We know what the offense could do with the healthy Jimmy G. We, you know, we know the weapons that they have, so it's, that's, that's kind of a no-brainer. But for me, it's the defense has got to be able to make plays, get off the field on third down, especially third and long, right? Just give them their offense a chance. They've got to complement their offense. I'm not saying that they've got to be lights out. I don't think there's any defense in the league really anymore that's lights out, but a defense that makes plays. It's going to have to make enough play. I mean, look, hell, J- Jared's in studio. He's a Kansas City uh, Chief guy, and the, I don't think that the Chiefs, as he has a Chiefs uh, shirt on right now. Even Raider think, Nation Radio. Yeah, there you go. I don't think that they're, the, the Chiefs defense was that great, but they made plays when they had to. Yeah, no, they were definitely a kind of a hodgepodge of like, hey, that guy, you're going to play good this 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 game and then next game you're going to completely disappear so <laughs> so what do you think so i'll start with you and then i'll go to the don't be broke.com text sign at 69187 keyword r what do you think you know from the outside looking in what do you think it's going to take for the raiders to be successful in 2023 outside of the health of jimmy g i think that you actually made the excellent point both earlier in the show and on your podcast it's turnovers yeah. like that's going to be the key difference it's whether or not they can actually generate turnovers and whether or not they can make havoc plays, like behind-the-line-of-scrimmage type plays, blowing things up. Yeah. The yeah. havoc plays are the main key because, as you alluded to, the offense 
there's no reason this offense wouldn't work with Josh Jacobs and Devontae Adams. The offense should be fine. Right. It's all about getting Max Crosby another dude and him feeling confident that it's not going to be 100% on him all the time to come up with something spectacular. Yeah, no, I, uh, I like that. That's a great point. And, yeah, turnovers is something I've been harping on for the longest. I mean, it's just – it drives me crazy that they don't have enough uh, interceptions or they can't create a, more interceptions than they do. I mean, six from a year ago is just – I guess I could spend the whole two and a half hours left on the show talking about the lack of interceptions and, and – and, why in the hell that is, and a lot of that is, is effort, a lot of that is knowing where to be when you're supposed to be there, uh, a lot of that is just, it's not natural instincts for them to go get the ball, a lot of these guys don't have those natural, like, ball hawk ability, right, and, and that's just gotta, that's gotta happen, but even without creating the turnovers, I think the turnovers will come if the defense is out there flying around to the ball and not thinking, and really, you know, really being a, a solid unit, I think that those turnovers will come, right, I, I think that their pass rush is improved, uh, I'm assuming with with a healthy Tyree Wilson, that's going to help out. Uh, Byron Young, I think that that's going to help out. The defensive tackle room, in my opinion, is pretty thick. It's pretty deep. Like, there's going to be some guys that are out there competing for jobs. Uh, everything I heard, even today from Dave Ziegler, you know, Butler, Neil Farrell Jr., those are guys that they're excited about. Those were draft picks a year ago. They're excited about those guys this year and what they're going to be able to bring to the table. So you combine those dudes, Byron Young, you be able to, to, to bring in, um, you know, other guys that they have. Jenkins is another guy in the, in the defensive tackle room. Uh, guys that have that, that, that know-how. Bilal Nichols, a guy that they signed as a free agent a year ago. Those kind of dudes should be able to help also generate a pass rush. And when you get that pass rush, you're able to help guys that have uh, pl- make plays on the back end as far as safeties and corners go. Even linebackers, hell, they can make plays as well. Uh, let's go ahead and go to the phone line. Do we have a call, Jared? Or are we going to make a oh, Okay, I'll just check it. Uh, we're try, trying to work out our communication system here, trying to make sure that we're on the same page. Uh, you can hit us up at 702-365-9200 or the don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187, keyword R&R, talking about content day was at the Raiders facility today. If you could sit down and have a conversation with any player, who would it be? And also, in your mind, what would be the biggest key for the Raiders to have success outside of the health of Jimmy G in 2023? Sir Whiskey Ray, Hit us, uh, hit us up on the WBroke.com text line at 69187, keyword r and said, Q and Jared, happy Monday, gentlemen. Wow, what a great weekend of sports and entertainment. Heat with the huge road win last night, and now the Golden Knights look to go 2-0 here tonight. Best of luck to Vegas in game two, as I expect the clash versus the Panthers. On a serious note, I have to admit my liver is finally back to full strength. After Friday's wedding, great memories, and most importantly, the groom didn't uh, run during the ceremony. LOL. Looking forward to today's show. Thanks again, gentlemen, for holding it down. That's Sir Whiskey Ray. So uh, thank you so much for that text, and good to know that you're in good. You're feeling good uh, after what was going on. Uh, so uh, yeah, good. Good to hear from you, Raider. Uh, to who is it, Sir Whiskey Ray? Yeah, thanks so much. Appreciate you. Let's go out to the phone lines. I'm trying to get everything. I'm confused here. Uh, Raider Z, welcome to the show. What's on your mind? Oh, X, Raider X. Jared, work with me here. Raider X. All my right. bad, my yeah, bad. Yeah, it is. Raider X, welcome to the show. Jeez. Damn, that, that Kansas City jersey got you all messed up. Yeah, see, that's what I'm saying, man. That's what I'm saying, Damn, man. Damn, man. Woo! You, you got to hit me in the house. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, did you ever think you missed him off? <laughs> no. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, dang, I left poor little DeMond. I know. Just giving a bad time. What's, up? What's hey. on your mind? Get back to the topic. Uh, what what I think that really this this team needs, and I, I think you and uh, you know Jared, you hit it on the, the the spot. I don't think the offense is going to be an issue, and uh, obviously you know you don't need a, a lockdown uh, defense. What you need is that you know those defenders and those uh, veterans 
to develop a switch, and they need to teach these young guys when to turn it on. And if they can develop a switch and be able to come with those key stops or those key moments or to close out a game and use the depth that they're finally, you know, developing and bring in fresh bodies and be able to just to turn it on for certain moments, I think that would be the key. Uh, they, they lack that. I mean, there was some consistency, some overall okay play. It, it just seemed like when those moments were needed or to seal that game, when you had those leads, it just wasn't there. Right. And, uh, you know, there's some more depth and there'll be a little bit more, uh, you know, consistency on the play. Where last time you had a first, you know, uh, a, a first stringer, and then all of a sudden when there was an injury, it was like you had a. Right. Uh, I think that's the key. All right, hey, Raider X, thanks for the call. I do appreciate you, my man. And, yeah, I mean, depth is going to be major, and, and these guys are going to know – they're going to have to know, you know, what to do, when to do it, and how to seal the deal, especially uh, late in games when they have leads, as you mentioned. A lot of them – and we talked about that today on the Raiders Roundtable. There's a bunch of them that had leads, a bunch of games that the Raiders had leads, and they couldn't hold them. They've got to find a way to sustain drives so they don't have to put the defense back on the field. And then when the defense is back on the field, they've got to find a way to close games out. And so that goes to the depth as well. Uh, not having guys that just are out there the whole game and are dog tired. They're going to have to have guys that are, you know, that are, uh, you know, fresh and ready to go and uh, also into the mix and also into the flow of the game. So Raider X, thank you for that as well. I do appreciate you again. The don't be broke.com text line is six, nine, one, eight, seven keyword R and R. What do you believe will be the biggest key in your mind for the Raiders that have success in 2023 join us now on the phone lines to talk about the offseason and what he liked or maybe what he didn't like is our good friend mike sando for the athletic and mike thanks so much for your time i appreciate you and i want to get into your piece that you put out i believe on the 24th about the offseason moves that you like but before i do that you were at the facility not too long ago i actually got to meet you in person it was great uh, what, what were you able to see i know we don't get to see a whole lot of action from otas but from your trip to the facility and, and what yeah. you saw what was your impression Okay, so three things. One, uh, I don't think it was an accident that Josh McDaniels had him pack, practicing on the farthest away field where you know we were trying to even see the numbers of who was out there. That's number one. Uh, number two, it was also the day that it was revealed that uh, Jimmy Garoppolo's foot was an issue at the time of the contract. So I think we were all focused on the fact of, wait a minute, not only is Derek Carr not out here, uh, let alone Jared Stidham, but Garoppolo's not out there either. So the situation at quarterback at one point, I literally was like, oh, that's Brian Hoyer. Like, you're, you're just getting familiar with, I couldn't figure out who everybody was. <laughs> right. I needed a roster, right? Mm-hmm. needed a roster. So that one position has been, for you know, for better or worse, we've known what it is the whole time for 10 years. You didn't have to have a roster. So for that one, I was going through the whole depth chart. Oh, yeah, that's the kid they drafted, that sort of thing. And then the third thing was um, just listening to Devontae Adams and seeing him in person I think it was his first real opportunity to answer questions about the story that had come out in The Ringer, you know, where some of that was portrayed to be him undermining or questioning the coaching staff. I just thought his authenticity, his credibility in speaking, uh, his intelligence, all those things like you sort of knew, but when you see it in person – I was really impressed. Yeah, and what did you take away from Devontae? I mean, when he was saying that, I, I, I was like, hey, just like you said, you know, very sincere, very authentic, and some people said, oh, yeah, but that's just he's just kind of walking back what he already said. I took it for mm-hmm. what he said. I, I took it for that, like 100% what he said. What was your overall impressions of what he said? 
same. I thought he was just completely credible. And I think mm-hmm. at one point he said, you know, if I have a problem, I'll tell you. I don't, I don't have a problem saying what I feel. Right. Uh, and I believe him. So, you know, I, I believe him. And I, I know, too, you know, I, the article, sometimes when you write an article like that, you kind of lose control over how other people interpret it, too. You know, and mm-hmm. when you submit to an article like that, if you're Devonta Adams, you give the interview, you may have felt good about it. But you do sort of at a certain point lose control and whatever people want to pull out of it or gets pulled out of it, you know, for better or worse, could, uh, you know, could affect your day. But I thought his explanation of, you know, in his development as a player, one of the really critical things for him was not letting what other people think um, crowd his mind. So the fact that he was making a distinction that he was really only addressing this because it kind of needed to be for the sake of the team, for his teammates, uh, for the record. But it's, it, I believed him when he said this isn't the sort of thing that he spends a lot of time in. And I think we can all learn from that. You know, This is somebody who's at the top of their game from a performance standpoint, who wasn't the number one overall pick. He wasn't Calvin Johnson coming out where he, he just had so much talent that he was probably going to be a force. This is someone who has kind of intentionally made themselves into a Hall of Famer. So things like that about your mindset and what you are really taking into account and what doesn't matter for you, I think that's really intentional on his part. I buy it. I think he's really credible. I agree 100%. Mike Sando is our guest from The Athletic here on Radio Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. Now, in that piece that you put out about the offseason moves that you liked, the one that you liked for the Raiders was Jimmy G and the signing of Jimmy G. and. Well, that was before we heard about the, the foot injury, but assuming he's healthy, what does he bring to the table in your opinion? So my context for that was I, do, I wasn't saying I think they're necessarily better at quarterback, uh, certainly than they are now, than when they had Carr and, mm-hmm. uh, and Stidham. I, I, but once they just made the decision to move on from Carr, once he was no longer an option, I thought getting Jimmy Garoppolo made sense for them as long as they were moving forward with Josh McDaniels, which they are. So you couldn't have unless you could get Tom Brady, they obviously weren't getting Aaron Rodgers. I think really for this stage of the McDaniels program and trying to win that battle of everyone kind of pulling in the same direction and and the buy-in, you you get somebody from the system who is going to be a partner and and sort of an ally of the head coach. Uh, That's what I think they have to have if they're going to move forward with uh, McDaniels at a time when, hey, maybe Devonte Adams wasn't trying to question him, but he kind of did at a time when Darren Waller sort of did say some things on the way out the door. Right, mm-hmm. uh, the whole car thing was a little sideways. Stidham didn't seem exactly thrilled to even give the Raiders a chance to stay. Those sorts of things, right? Yeah, um, I think this this in that context, it's very helpful to have somebody who's going to be in that position. I think Jimmy Garoppolo has been a great guy in locker rooms. Uh, been respected, you know, certainly with, by the 49ers beloved. So uh, that helps them. How much do you – or how quickly do you think he can get up to speed with that system because he has been in it, but it's been some years now since he's played in it? I think really quickly. You know, I think his issue will be, uh, you know, a little bit of rust, just depending on when he gets out there. He didn't play a ton last year, and we've seen for uh, – you know, in an extreme example, like Deshaun Watson wasn't even close to himself last year after having time off. So I think it's probably different for each player, but uh, the fact that he knows the offense, like Deshaun had to learn a new offense too, so probably a harder challenge for him. But I, I think Jimmy should 
probably come, you know, come into it pretty quickly as long as he's healthy. What do you think about tight end Michael Mayer out of Notre Dame, the rookie, and, and Josh McDaniels' offense? How much do you think that he'll not only help this offense but help Jimmy G kind of get comfortable in it as well? Yeah, he seems like he's a good fit for what they want to do. Uh, there were a lot of different flavors of tight ends in the draft, uh, you know, and I think he's probably more of a well-rounded, you know, run, pass, game, uh, probably fits into their type of an offense. Uh, if you envision, if you kind of envision the New England offense, I know Gronkowski was an incredible athlete, a different level of an athlete, but they were able over time to use their play-action game to get, get him open sometimes when it didn't matter if he was athletic, just within that system. Uh, so I would think that he fits well uh, with that. Talking all things offseason moves right now with Mike Sando from The Athletic here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary roughness. I kind of wanted to scatter shoot around the AFC West as well. Uh, when you look at the Chargers, they had the, the lead in the playoffs. They lost it. It was an epic mm-hmm. meltdown. And then they go and make the move to bring in Kellen Moore as the offensive coordinator. How big is that for the Chargers moving forward, having that guy as the OC? You know, it felt like they had to do something. But let's be honest. I mean, their defense is what has to get better for me. They have a defensive head coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have some, you know, some talent on that side of the ball. They've been injured a lot. That's the story of the Chargers. Seems like every year. But to me, I'm sure the offense is going to be uh, in the top half of the league. And I think it would have been uh, even if they didn't make the change. If they had some of their guys, they, they were missing a lot of guys' offensive line and such last season. So I'm mostly it's a defensive thing to me. They 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 have to move into at least middle of the pack. Uh, you know, here under Staley this season, or else, I mean, where are they really going, right? Because Ju- Justin Herbert's probably going to be pretty good no matter who's there. But right. that's, you know, you hired a defensive coach. Let's see the defensive results. And I think, you know, I think they've schemed pretty well in the past game, uh, you know, and even laid down some blueprints. Uh, I think they did a nice job against Miami, for instance, but just haven't been able to stop the run or be consistent enough on that side of the ball and healthy enough. And I think that has to turn as much as anything on offense. So since they haven't been able to do that on the defensive side of the ball, and like you said, you they have a defensive-minded head coach, is this one of those, in your opinion, where it could be a make-or-break year for Staley? I think that it is a, a make-or-break year for the Chargers. I do. I, if you look at the way they did something this offseason they haven't done before, they redid a bunch of contracts and put them, themselves in position where they have four players next year with – Cat numbers thirty million or higher, you know, and that's that's from Keenan Allen, I believe, uh, Khalil Mack, it might be Bosa, and it might be Mike Williams. Or there's four of them anyway. Well, they're not carrying those guys at thirty million hits next year, right? When you push it that much, you're really doubling down. You're putting your money, you know, all on this hand, and saying we've got to have a breakthrough. And in their defense, if you look at their team last season, I believe they were six and six, so they finished strong. They got to ten and six. They're up twenty-seven, nothing in the playoffs. Right. They win that game. Their whole narrative's different without anything really being different. You know that much different. They they blew it. They had a terrible second half, and they're going to have to live with that. And that does ratchet it up and make this year feel a lot more make or break than it probably should. Again, we're talking with Mike Sando from The Athletic on the Raider Nation Radio 920 Unnecessary Roughness, talking about offseason moves, wanted to talk about the Denver Broncos and the Chiefs. Let's start with the Denver Broncos. They bring in Sean Payton. Was that the biggest move that they could have made this offseason? Um, yeah, I think I think Jim Harbaugh was another big name uh, that they looked at, but I think so. I think they found themselves in a position where they made, you know, they, Russell Wilson was such a big deal that it was going to be hard to get someone 
uh, you know, that was bigger than him, and they've done that. I think Sean Payton comes in, it's his show, the pressure's on Russell Wilson to fit the way Sean Payton wants to play, and if he doesn't, Sean Payton's got enough juice there, enough power, enough security, they'll play somebody else. Like I said, they got Stidham, so, uh, or they'll draft somebody next year, that right. sort of a thing. So I do think that they probably, under the circumstances they were in, needed to do that with a big-name coach. How quickly do you think Sean Payton could start to get things turned around in Denver? I mean, the Raiders face them. They go to Denver week one. Yeah, and I think they've finished with them too. So, yeah. um, I think they can be competitive right away. You know, we need to see how well Russell Wilson kind of comes around and, and if they can just have a little bit of a run game for him and, and kind of make it a little bit more like it was, uh, you know, earlier in, in Russell's Seattle career. Um, I think that they could be uh, competitive in being like a, you know, closer to a 500-ish type team, a team that has a chance at the wild card. I, I think that's, I think that's a realistic expectation. We just have to see whether, you know, Wilson's cooked. I mean, he didn't look right. good, and I think he's lost some athletically. You know, he's not, he doesn't look as quick or gifted in his ability to create. And so that just may be a reality they have to deal with that does limit them ultimately. Well, our resident Chiefs fan definitely wants to ask you a Chiefs question. Go ahead, Jared. You got it. All right, Mike. So when Patrick Mahomes says that he's more interested in his legacy, or yeah, legacy and chasing rings than money, if he starts doing the Tom Brady convert everything to a bonus, how de- how how big does the gap become in the AFC West? <laughs> Uh, well, it's funny. Brady did end up getting a lot of his money, you know. Um, in the end, he was sort of getting security in the future. So, um, some of the cap stuff's a little bit overrated, but I do think that it's a big deal to have your quarterback truly be a partner um, with your organization and willing to sort of move things around. And I think he did that with the contract he took. So I'm going to say it's a, you know, I'm going to say it's a. It's a small edge, but at that level, every edge mm-hmm. is significant. It's hard to get big edges when you're already at the 99th percentile, right? How much better right. can you get? Right. But I think it's just kind of a – I think it's almost as much as anything, it's a it's a symbol for what they have, that everyone's on the same page, that he is not going the way of Russell Wilson last season where he got a little ahead of himself, right, and everything's about him. Like Mahomes sort of gets it. He knows how to – he knows how to deflect the, the credit at the right times. He knows he's hard on himself. He's always trying to get better, even though he's already the best. I think it all just sort of is emblematic of a bunch of things that are really good about Patrick Mahomes. You know, and uh, you mentioned it, that it's hard to get better when you're already in the 99th percentile, but every team tries to improve each and every offseason. What, what have you thought just overall in general of the Kansas City Chiefs in their offseason? Well, I think the Chiefs, uh, you know, have done a pretty good job of getting younger on defense, which they had to do. Um, I think they were probably a little bit better on defense last season than they're given credit for. They weren't great, but they were probably a little bit middle of the pack. Um, yeah, I don't know that there's been a huge move the needle move that they made this off season that makes them five or ten percent better am i missing something i mean it seemed like they're picking late in the draft yeah <laughs> uh you know there wasn't i think it's a little bit interesting that eric the is leaving and no one's saying anything about it 
You know, I, um, I, que- I questioned that, Mike. I, I still, to this day, we had a pretty spirited conversation about this last week. I still don't understand why he had to leave Kansas City and, in my opinion, make a lateral move and go to Washington as the OC. Yeah, uh, I mean, I'm with you to some degree on that, especially when you look at, like, okay, if Matt Nagy can get hired, why not him? Right. You know, so that's a whole other conversation about mm-hmm. people, you know, bringing into – uh, the picture things that happened when he was at Colorado years ago and that sort of a thing. Uh, to me, those feel like, you know, kind of a little bit of excuses. So uh, I, I think he's, I think the enemy is actually in a bad spot. I mean, they don't even have a quarterback for sure. And Washington Rivera mm-hmm. isn't necessarily going to be there for the long term. I mean, are they going to, they haven't, they didn't do anything for their offense hardly, you know, right. Got a running back here or there. So he actually is going to leave. The Chiefs are still going to be a top three offense in the league, and Washington's probably not going to be great. So it's a tough deal for him. <laughs> right. Go ahead, Jared. I want to bring it back to uh, Josh Jacobs and the Raiders. With him not having like a full contract, how, how do you think they're going to f- use him this season? Are they going to try to like you know run him into the ground, or do you think that this is going to be like, uh, okay, let's save him because we want him in the long term? No, I think they'd probably use him the way they used him last year. You know, um, I, I wouldn't see a huge change there unless somebody's you know emerging from the pack at that position to demand a bunch of carries. I thought Josh Jacobs was everything that was good about the Raiders last year. He yep. just loved how he played. Just loved how he played. So, you know, I, I think I don't think he's going to not play that way again. He just run, run it back and do it the same way. I, you know, I don't think that teams. I think teams are much more year to year in the usage of a player. Than they are thinking about, you know, two three years down the road. Shoot, Josh McDaniels doesn't even know if he's going to be there in a year or two, right? Right. I mean, no, no, a lot of, half these coaches don't. So, I think it'll be similar to last year. And like I said, he's he was a shining light on that team just in how he played. That's how I treat every show, Mike. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to do everything I can today because tomorrow ain't guaranteed. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, that's just that's the reality of it. But great stuff as always, Mike. It's great to catch up with you. It's great to finally actually meet you in person. What are you uh, working yeah. on that we should be on the lookout for in the athletic? Well, I'm I'm starting to going to be starting to work on a suntan here soon with some vacation coming up. But I am I working on the quarterback tiers. Now, oh, there you go. There you go. Tiers, so, you know, we'll come back on to discuss where yes. Jimmy G is and all, where Derek Carr is will be of interest when that comes out, you know, usually closer to training camps. No doubt. No doubt. We'll get that tan. I can't wait to get a little bit of a R&R, a little vacation in as well, but then yeah. we know it's back to the grind. So, Mike, thanks so much, man. Great stuff. I definitely appreciate you. Hey, thank you. We'll see. There you. he goes, Mike Sando from The Athletic, good friend of the show, really good dude, definitely appreciate him. And see, there you go, getting a little, Jared, getting a little uh, tan time in. That's all right. I ain't mad at him. I don't think I'm going to get much of a tan when I go on vacation, but I'm, I'm going to get some time to, to relax and decompress and get away from my phone, and that's the first battle is getting away from the phone and everything else is gravy. You're going skiing, right? I'm definitely not going skiing. <laughs> I'm not going skiing. I'm going to Hawaii again. That's going to be the second year in a row. <laughs> Uh, it's funny, you know, and I don't mean to tell everybody's business, but you know JT's going to, uh, to Maui tomorrow. He's leaving to go to Maui tomorrow morning, and I'm going to, on vacation at the end of the month, and I'm going to Maui too. So Eric Allen's looking at us like, wait a minute, what the hell's going on? He's going to Maui. You're going to Maui. What, is, is there something I'm missing? Is there something that I need to do? you you got to make the Pro Bowl. So, I ain't make no Pro Bowl. <laughs> Come on, man. I ain't make no Pro Bowl. You know, I did have the ball in my hand. Uh, on the Raider Roundtable today. It's so funny, and then we'll take a break. I was handed a football when I walked in there. 
They handed me a football as I was standing around. I got there pretty early. I got there right around 7, and we actually went on the air at 8. But I got there about 7, so we're standing around. We're talking, BS, and doing what we do. And, you know, everyone's preparing at these different stations. They're going from spot to spot to spot. And they came by with a big almost shopping cart full of footballs. And the guy was like, he looked at me and says, you need a ball for the set? And I was like, I don't think so. And so he just handed me, he just handed me the ball anyway. And I was like, all right, I guess we do. So I grabbed it, and I literally never let it go. And the whole time, Eric Allen's like, so are you challenging me to get the ball from you? I was like, no, EA, this is what you do. I'm not that guy. No, I'm not asking you to get the ball from me. And then our good friend Wyatt, who's working behind the scenes, does a phenomenal job with the Raiders. He's up there trying to get Marcus Epps. He's like, hey, man, hey, knock the ball out of Q's hand. I was like, why, why are you guys? Light him up. Light him up. Right. I was like, why are you conspiring against me? Why are you trying to get? So then it became a big deal. So then I'm trying to hold on to the ball. So every time we take our headset off, anytime I go get water, like I'm protective of the ball. <laughs> you've, got the, you've got the double the yes, arm on I, the top I, and I, the bottom. I, man, if you, look at, if you go back and look at some of the video on YouTube, you'll see that I'm gripping it way tighter because I think EA, who's sitting right next to me, is going to try and knock it out of my hand. Wyatt even had a video rolling at one point. He was like, oh, I know that this is going to happen. But it didn't. For three and a half hours, I held on to the rock. When I left, it had never hit the ground. I threw a couple passes. I, actually, Dave Ziegler has some really good handwork when it comes to the football. He, I, tossed it, I tossed it to him when he first sat down with us, and he did all kinds of little tricks with the ball. It never hit the ground, though. He did a fantastic job. Then he threw it back to me. I held on to it. When we were all done, he walked by me again. I threw it back to him. He threw it back to me. Never hit the ground. And then Jade, who does a great job getting us players, this, that, and the other, she does a really good job there. She uh, threw her hands up like she wanted me to throw the rock. So I did, and it bounced off her hands, but she recovered. She didn't let it hit the ground. She made the catch, and then she started throwing it, and she was gunning it. Like, and so I had to – pressure was on. I'm a DB, right? I don't have great hands. So I caught it too, so we never touched the ground. And then finally, when I was done, I was about to go over to Liberty, I took her the ball, and I handed it to her. I said, all right, it's on your watch now. I'm done. Three and a half hours. I almost took the damn ball home with me. I, was, I thought for a minute I was going to take the ball home with me because I didn't want to let it down because then someone would have made fun of me that, oh, he put it on the ground. I thought Eric Allen was going to try to peanut punch it out. <laughs> I told him he was going to put me on the injured reserve list because he was going to, like, punch at the ball and it's going to hit me in the ribs or something. You know what I mean? Like, just I, cut back to the round table. There's one empty chair and just yeah, legs exactly, in the frame. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Cues down. Man down. <laughs> man down. That was some of the shenanigans going on. But it was cool. I mean, for three and a half hours, I held on to a football for some apparent reason. So there, it, it is what it is. But, uh, yeah, no one ever knocked it out. So that was some of the fun that we had on the Raider Roundtable today. 2.50 is the time. We'll take a quick break, come back, close out hour number one. It's Raider Nation Radio 920. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. ABA Ivan Davis, you're up, man. Give me something good. What's on your mind? Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for uh, taking my call. Um, real quick, uh, the person who I want to speak to is uh, Mad Max. I mean, okay. I'd, love, I'd love to know what drives him like that. I mean, double team, no help, but yet he still gets to the quarterback. I could use that for my basketball team. And to stay on the uh, defensive side, uh, what's got to improve uh, is the defense. Say what you want about Derek Carr and his performance. But six times he gave them the lead in the fourth quarter. I don't care if it's one point. The defense got to close that. I don't care if it's two to nothing. Your job is to get the shutout, okay, and get the victory. And so that's at least, at least that's my version of a standard for defense. Okay, so it can be. Good. 
All right. Thank you. Hey, thank Thank you, my man, ABA Ivan Davis. And, yeah, Max Crosby is a great person to want to talk to. He had some really good stuff to say earlier today with JT and EA on the Raiders Roundtable live from the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. Coming up next, we kick off hour number two. Brandon Cristal joins the show.